All right, coming to you live on a rare victory Tuesday for the Patriots at an undisclosed location outside of Phoenix, Major County for the Boston Herald. We have a very brief recap episode here today because I know all eyes are on Las Vegas for the Patriots. Seven and six, they pull away from the Cardinals on Monday night, 27 to 13, in a game that honestly, Niger one sentence reaction has to be didn't learn a whole lot, but given where the Patriots were, six and six, basically must win game at Arizona for their playoff hopes. You get the win, you win by 14, you wash your hands and move on. So we're going to do largely that, and then we'll have a guest on later this week, record as the Patriots practice out here uh, in Arizona. They're going to be in Tucson. I'll be there every single step of the way. Really sink our teeth into the Raiders, because this is going to be a game that, just like Monday night was, is must win. Hopefully, though, a little bit more entertaining, because while you at home got to see glimpses of Mac Jones barking and Mac Jones cursing and Mac Jones waving off possibly Matt Patricia, Andrew or Joe Judge, I didn't get any of that watching the game live. Now, it was a good atmosphere. It's a cool stadium. Obviously, a lot of history there for the Patriots. But we're not going to spend too much time about Mac being upset with the offense. We can all see it. We all understand why. And when you look at the conservatism, which was a big headline this week, thank you, Vance Joseph, uh, the Patriots lived up to it. Matt Patricia called 12 screens. Mac Jones threw all of 35 passes, took a sack. Pressure was intermittent, but obviously a big problem for the Patriots, which, as I tweeted you know, late in the game, they started the game 50% shotgun, 50% under center. And then Matt Patricia's first two under center play action passes result in an interception and then a blown screen. So they just said, screw it. We're going to be in the gun the whole time. We'll go screens. It's all going to be a quick game. And Mac Jones' longest two passes, of course, found Hunter Henry, which if you listened to the last pod, you would have known that's where the Cardinals were most vulnerable. Among really was a wide menu of options for the Patriots to go attack. They only throw to Hunter Henry three times. He comes down with 70 yards, most for him in a, in a game this season, which kind of surprised me. But ultimately, again, to get out with the win. So for those of you unfamiliar with the format, we do the good, we do the bad, we do game balls in a segment. I promise I had not forgotten, though we skipped it a couple of times, what would NFL film say? This kind of imaginary season-long recap, uh, you know, hour-long, one of those, you know, productions, you know what I'm talking about, they're on the NFL Network, you know, ESPN, usually reserved for Super Bowl champions. But even... Those mired in mediocrity get a fake NFL films season long recap here. Uh, no mailbag, another segment we've been skipping a lot recently. Some extenuating circumstances see three games in 12 days, but we will get to a big mailbag and a huge preview of the Raiders game in our next episode, I promise. So starting with the good. Uh, look, we could do Josh Uche in three sacks. I'll get to him in a minute. I want to stay with Mac, though, because as much as, as I mentioned, 24, 35, 235 yards, zero touchdowns and one pick doesn't look great. And it basically mirrored what Colt McCoy did Monday night and has really done for his entire Colt McCoy career. His ball placement was very good and he executed what was asked of him. And this is where we can separate what Mac can control and what he cannot, which is of course, you know, 12 screens dialed up into his helmet and then quit game everywhere else. When asked to do that, it was great. And the ball placement specifically is not just, did he throw it to the right guy in an area he can catch it? It means differentiating from, let's say, Hunter Henry's left shoulder as he's going up the left seam on that first long catch to his right shoulder, the backside away from a safety that's converging to stop the play in Buda Baker. And that's exactly what Mac Jones did. And when you look at the underlying numbers, some of the adjusted completion percentage from PFF, he hit 85.7%, which means, you know, toss out the throwaways, 
toss out plays. Um, you know, he's throwing it into the dirt or spikes. You want the rest of those passes. How accurately was he throwing the ball better than five out of every six dropbacks. So that's Mac doing a very good job operating within the scheme. The one interception, of course, he gets hit in the arm. And again, that goes into coaching. This is no, you know, uh, we're not apologizing for Mac here, but you look at that play Hunter Henry's asked to block one-on-one with an edge defender for over three seconds. Well, Connor McDermott and right Mike on are double teaming the nearest defensive tackle. I don't know. Maybe I would have an offensive tackle blocking that edge rusher for three plus seconds. And what's a max protect shot play that looked like it was going to work for Tyquan Thornton, who was running a deep crosser instead of course, Max arm gets hurt because Hunter Henry can only hold up so long against a dude who's 30 pounds heavier. Uh, and he's not a blocking tight end, as we know, goes for the pick. But as far as everything else, Mac, I thought was good. Uche, the three sacks, masterclass. Masterclass for Josh Uche. We've talked about it before. The breakout is real. It is spectacular. And in talking to some other guys around the locker room, as we all did, I wanted to get into just the why. Because we could look at the stats and say, oh, he's breaking out because he's got all those sacks. Well, how is he getting these sacks? And we could dismiss some of them, right? It's just, hey, it's the Cardinals. Before that, it was the Colts. Their offensive lines, don't get me wrong, absolutely suck. But when you look at his attack plan, it's much different than the guy that we saw, A, at Michigan, then as a rookie when he was balanced between outside linebacker and inside linebacker, and even last year, who's relying almost exclusively on his speed rush. And this isn't really doing an availability thing because as Zach Cox from Nesson ran down, Uche's playing time has really been the same. He's still in the third down pass rushing specialist role. It's just that he's been much more productive in those snaps. And he might've been dinged up here or there, but it's something Belichick said that, oh, now he's just, he's getting a chance to play more. No, the, the playing time's the same. What he's doing though with it is bull rushing like he did on one sack. He's pancake, reverse pancake. Is it waffling? Should we call that defensive lineman to offensive lineman? Uh, going speed to power in a clip that I posted on Twitter. So he knows offensive tackles are oversetting against that speed rush. No, he can go around them. He can dip up under and over whenever he wants. But what are you going to do when they correctly protect against that and don't overset? He's going through them. He's going inside of them. And this is a guy who's really well-rounded. So three sacks, yeah, kind of says it all. But also when you look at how he's getting there, it indicates this can keep going. Like the Patriots, if they have a chance defensively to carry this team into the playoffs, it's because of players like him opposite Matt Judon. Also because of guys like Marcus Jones, who I hope gets a breather this week at Tucson, because this dude, in case you missed it, two kick returns, a catch on offense, an interception on defense, and six tackles, including one that laid out uh, Arizona tight end. I want to say it was Trey McBride. I know it was McBride uh, was the last name. It was a late night here. Also, apologies to James Conner, who, as I mentioned in the last podcast, I forgot was starting in the league. Uh, he balled out. His patience behind the line was Le'Veon Bell-esque, where you could just kind of see him sifting, 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 waiting, and then bouncing and pulling it to the outside. That kid, that guy can obviously still play. Back to Marcus Jones. I mean, when you look, let's just stay with the offense, because we know the interception was Uche hitting Cole McCoy's arm. He's there to catch it. He's a very good kick returner. The way they used him offensively, Marcus Jones was in motion on seven of his eight snaps, which drew a lot of attention at the second level to create space for guys like Tyquan Thornton, how to get quick catch, Pierre Strong got one on the screen. And so teams know, given what he did against Buffalo and just two, three offensive snaps, whatever it was, he's the threat with the ball in his hand. So even though he's not your traditional receiver and his route tree is going to be pretty limited, he's a guy you need to keep an eye on because all the Patriots have to do is a swing screen like they did. 
or a bubble like he ran a couple of different times, or even maybe a go if he can go downfield as someone who can obviously catch over his shoulder or look up at the ball, move under and catch it as we've seen him do as a returner. So Marcus Jones impacting the game beyond the stats that I just listed off was big for this offense because he was very involved in that first touchdown drive, which yeah, finishes with Kevin Harris's first touchdown as a rookie running back in the long catch to Hunter Henry came before the field goal drive. But Marcus Jones was involved when the Patriots offense was at his best. And I don't think that's an accident. And I think if, you know, he can get enough rest defensively because Jack Jones leaves in that, after that first drive, Marcus has to replace him at outside corner. Like he should still be involved 10 to 12 snaps offensively every game the rest of the year. Uh, defensively, also something unseen. Going step for step with DeAndre Hopkins and incompletion in the second quarter. Cardinals had this weird play where they, you know, rush to the line, then stop like it's a college offense, look to the sideline like they're getting a play call. The play call was a surprise snap. The only people who looked ready at that moment to go were the center and Colt McCoy, who then gets a snap. All the receivers run vertical, while even the offensive tackle standing up and looking at the right, then start to pass set. But the timing of this play wasn't such that, you know, oh, the center just screwed up or snapped it early. Like everyone snapped into place once the play began and wasn't looking around wondering what to do. The whole goal was just to keep the Patriots, catch them napping, and they didn't. Marcus Jones, a rookie, did not, went step for step with DeAndre Hopkins, kind of leaned into him on the sideline as the technique and some of those vertical routes, and it falls incomplete. So that was just a second down and completion. I think it was in the second quarter, uh, but hats off to that kid because obviously he's been balling. Hey guys, we're going to hit pause in the Patriots here for just a second to talk about something really important, and that's bedtime stories. Yes, the tales that had us feeling cozy in our bed and ready for a good night's sleep. Some of us enjoyed a fairytale ending, maybe hitting a walk-off home run or scoring a game-winning touchdown. So why shouldn't we have the same comfortable feelings when we try to go to sleep as adults as we drift off to sleep? Because the Calm App's immersive sleep stories make falling into relaxed and restorative slumber a breeze, bringing you back to the well-rested nights of childhood and hitting those homers and scoring those touchdowns. And I'm super excited to announce we're partnering with Calm, the number one mental wellness app to give you the tools that improve the way you feel. For the last year plus, it's helped me reduce stress and anxiety through things like guided meditation. It helps improve your focus with curated music tracks and help you rest and recharge with those imaginative sleep stories. It can work for kids or adults. There's even new daily movement sessions designed to relax your body and uplift your mind. And right now, if you go to calm.com backslash garden, you will get a special offer of 40% off, 4-0, of a Calm premium subscription where new content is added every single week. Over 100 million people around the world use Calm to take care of their minds because it is always ready on long days or short ones to help you stress less, sleep more, and live a happier, healthier life. So for listeners of this show, Pat's Interference, the best-looking Patriots fans and smartest around, Calm is offering an exclusive offer Offer of 40% off a premium subscription at calm.com backslash garden. Go to calm.com slash garden for 40% off unlimited access to Calm's entire library. That's calm.com slash garden. All right, on to the bed. It's one position and it's two guys, and it's the same thing we've been talking about. And if you want to throw Matt Patricia in here, that's fine. I, again, think it was too conservative, but ultimately... This is the reason why Trent Brown and Connor McDermott, the offensive tackle play for this team, whether it's been those two, Yanni Kajust, Isaiah Wynn, has been abysmal. 
And unless they get the better version of Brown down the stretch, this is how the offense is going to look, regardless of opponent uh, moving forward. Trent Brown allowed a sack. He had a false start. He allowed to run stuff. Connor McDermott allowed a hurry, two run stuffs. And this is just an offensive line that when you look at plays that go downfield and then get called back, it's because of those two. And the Patriots tried to chip. I mentioned the max protection play where Hunter Henry, you know, blocking for three seconds and shouldn't have been. It's just, you can't do a whole lot when those guys, in addition to Cole Strange, are struggling as it is. I mean, Trent Brown needs to be better in this instance. J.J. Watt cannot be sneaking inside multiple times, even if he's J.J. Watt against Connor McDermott in these own plays that just get blown up in the backfield. And so they had three out of four run stuffs in this game. They had most of the pressure allowed, the only sack. And while overall the offensive line was okay, it would have been good if not for the performances of these two, which look, you couldn't have many expectations for Connor McDermott considering the Jets only wanted him enough to keep them on his practice on their practice squad. But this is where the Patriots are. That's their starting right tackle, even with Yanni Kajus healthy enough to be active on game day. Trent Brown practiced in a limited capacity twice due to illness. Perhaps he's still recovering. It sounds certainly like he is, uh, but he's got to be better. Otherwise, this offensive line is going to stay right where it is. All right. Happy talk. Uh, game boss, Josh Uche, three sacks. We talked about it, his development in the skill. Uh, real credit to, you know, outside linebackers coach Steve Belichick, too, because, you know, people will knock him in the nepotism conversation, which I totally get. My defense of Steve has been you look at his record as a play caller and the Patriots finishing number one or number two in points allowed per game in two of the last three years, the defense rests. But the developmental side, when you look at players like before this year, Uche, Anthony Jennings, Chase Winovich, Ronnie Perkins, I'll throw in there. It's just not there. None of these guys who have talent proven college production have done anything in the Patriot system. Well, now Uche is in a big way, so he gets a game ball. Speaking of coaching and development, I mean, we could – you know, cut a ball in half or go two thirds, Pierre Strong, one third for Kevin Harris. I want to give the whole ball to Vinny Sinceri because the Patriots have been riding Ramondre Stevenson as much as they've ridden a running back since the days of Corey Dillon. And perhaps even more when you look at Stevenson playing 53 of 54 snaps against Buffalo. On Monday, of course, that was impossible. He has an ankle injury, suffers in the first quarter, leaves, comes back, plays one drive, has another drop, and then See you later. He is hopeful to play, he told Phil Perry of NBC Sports Boston. But in the meantime, the Patriots have to be very glad that Pierre Strong, Kevin Harris have pinned out, and largely thanks to Vinny Sanceri, who I think has done a good job with this running backs group. You look at Stevenson's development, two rookies coming into an offense that historically, before Stevenson, it was just like, see you later. Like, you got a red shirt, and we'll see you in your second season when you know how to pass protect. These guys, these guys were in on play action passes. Uh, shotgun and, and standard drop back plays, uh, shotgun runs, under center runs. Like the Patriots offense did not shrink any more than it would have just based on game plan for these two running backs. And that's a credit to them. And talking to Pierre Strong after the game, you know, you usually get the, oh, like, you know, I kind of had to settle down or you have nerves. And then you just realize it's football. So I asked him, when was your, this is just football kind of moment? He said, first play. And it showed. So hats off to him. Uh, a lot of hats off here today. I don't think we're still doing the hats off. Uh, as you can see from the folks on YouTube, I'm not. But kudos, kudos to Vinny Sinceri, Pierre Strong, and Kevin Harris. Hey, guys, a quick break for a holiday gift from me to you. It's a reminder that Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. NFL, college football, 
bowl season, esports, and the end of the World Cup, you'll find the latest odds on all of those, plus team matchup info, player news, game trends, all at betonline.ag, where BetOnline features live betting, free contests, and live scores for any sport or game. BetOnline is the fastest and the easiest way to bet all your favorite leagues and events, so head online to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use the promo code CLNS50, that's CLNS50, to receive your reward at BetOnline, where the game starts. So that's it, last segment, and then we're fully turning the page to the Raiders here in a short week. What would NFL films say about this game? Well, obviously it's going to start with Kyler Murray, who, you know, if I had to redo this pot over again and we're not, we would we would hit earlier. Ultimately, though, let me say this, because I said it in the last podcast, I thought the Patriots would handle the Cardinals by, you know, the final score they did. Obviously, it was closer than that. If Kyler Murray plays, we'll never know what the outcome of this game would be. Though, personally, I would still take the Patriots, who came in, as two and a half point favorites and played a style defensively that even when Colt McCoy was in really was built to protect against Kyler Murray. They played 83% zone in this game, which has got to be their highest. And I'll have to double check this. If not top three highest rates in the entire year. Again, this is still a man heavy defense. They did not blitz just 12% of all dropbacks between Murray and Cole McCoy. Murray, of course, tears his ACL in the third play from scrimmage. It's a huge downer. And this recap, NFL Films covers that. And I think they just kind of pull back to like some old school Patriots roots. And I look at this season and this offense in this game and say, this is more 2019 than kind of early 2000s, obviously lack of talent, quarterback play, blah, blah, blah. But I think they go for the nostalgia, right? Because how do the Patriots win this game? You get a defensive score, right? Raekwon McMillan, fumble return, Kyle Duggar. Kyle Duggar, you know, up there for good in game ball, but a couple of missed tackles a lot of couple catches and a few man-to-man snaps where he's just late recognizing obviously a good play, huge play, but didn't make the cut. So you get a defensive score. You got a kid in Marcus Jones who's doing Troy Brown 2.0 stuff. And that's from Troy Brown himself talking to him last week saying, Oh yeah, Marcus is way better than I was at that point already. And an offense that's doing just enough. And they don't care how it looks on the outside. And I'm not saying this is a good thing or a bad thing, but they just flatly don't. Matt Patricia said that today in a video, a video conference with a reporter. So they do enough, they get by, and you see the big hit from Marcus Jones, you know, who's probably the star of the segment, right? The returns, a catch, the interception, all of that's on display. And the Patriots showed him out in the second half. So this is a defensive team. This is an older Patriots team. This is a Belichick fingerprints all over kind of team, even if the area where he has most of his fingerprints this season, being the offense, is really struggling. So that's where they go. Maybe some Cliff Kingsbury, you know, the old shots, the headshots 20 years later uh, from when he was drafted by the Patriots in the sixth round in 03. But, you know, I think that's kind of where they land. And they fast forward because there is no matchup with more hype and anticipation and storylines than they'll have than Las Vegas coming up because, yes, it's it's obviously the playoff hopes are at stake, but the whole Josh McDaniels background, Dave Ziegler now running the front office, you know, plenty of ex-Patriots over there, Jerron Harmon, Brandon Bolden, um, and they're going to face another wide receiver in Devontae Adams, who we talked about this before. Patriots needed to play nine on 10 defense if they had to, to stop DeAndre Hopkins. Hopkins had seven catches and 11 targets for 79 yards, but the fumble was the biggest play. And so those are not all empty calories. But when you look at those 79 yards and you think of the seven catches, they had doubles for Hopkins on third down inside the red zone 
and that worked. If they hold Devontae Adams to seven catches for 79, 79 yards on Sunday, I think the Patriots should win. Now, am I expecting that? No. Um, but we'll get to that next week. So next week, huge preview of the Raiders game. We're going to bring back the mailbag. We're going to really break down this team with the Patriots. When is this third time we said biggest game of the season, the Jets game, uh, now the Cardinals and now the Raiders. We're in the stretch run. Their playoff odds are just under 40%. If they win in Las Vegas, they'll go up close to 64%, though it really depends on the Jets and Chargers. So as you root for the Patriots on Sunday, keep an eye on those other two games because those are the other teams that are going to determine, unless Miami just totally uh, slides up down the standings, that determine how the Patriots finish out this year. So until next time from Arizona, we will see you on Friday with a huge Raiders preview. And uh, as always, feel free to hit me up anytime on Twitter at underscore Andrew Callahan or email me at acallahan at bostonherald.com. Happy Victory Tuesday to you and yours.